Hey guys, welcome to the Improvement Podcast, where the mission is to help young men develop their character, identity, and mindset in order to activate their potential and achieve their goals in life. And so on today's episode of Improvement, we have on another special guest. His name is Bobby Perrine. He is a philanthropist, author, podcaster, amateur wellness expert, and a regular guy. Thank you for coming on to the show, Bobby. Hey man, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to you telling everybody your story. But um, just to give them like a little bit of more, a little bit more information about you, would you mind sharing some more details about your background and what you do? Sure, uh, I give you the I give you the elevator pitch version. How about gotcha. that? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. works. That works. Yeah, I was born in uh, born in West Virginia, born into poverty, and and not really you know abject poverty, but more like uh, Appalachian poverty, like hillbillies, and raised by my grandmother. Uh, you know, just one of those regular growing up in, in growing up, not in poverty, but being happy as a child. I remember good times. And when I was uh, seven, my mom got married to a, a real winner. Well, shall we say it was one of those stepdads that you don't want, but, um, you know, I ran away at 15, joined the military at 18, Married by 20, got a lot of kids by 26, lots of demarriages, divorces, and uh, got me here today. You know, I think uh, I think we need to unpack our childhoods and we need to unpack the things that, that made us what we are. And that's that's what I'm doing today. That's why I'm here today. OK, and I appreciate you sharing that. And to kind of dive a little bit deeper into that, of course, if you're comfortable. Sure. Uh, reflecting back on your childhood and the way that you were raised with your mom and and your stepdad, how would you say that that experience um, affected your adult life and maybe those relationships that you had that you ended up uh, getting divorced in? Well, come on, it made me a complete and total introvert. It made me a person that had no uh, self-esteem, no desire to try hard because everything that I did as a child was like not good enough, not fast enough, not high enough that you're not doing enough. Your grades aren't good enough. So I grew up in this, this world where I wasn't enough and it created this introvert. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, being here today, I don't want to be here today. That's a, like a David Goggins thing. He's like, I, I hate exercise. I hate diet. I, I hate being on podcasts. I hate everything that I'm doing, but you know what? It's stepping out of that box that was created for me. It was, it's stepping on top of that box that was created for me and, and reaching out. And um, as I told you before we started, I'm, I'm nervous to be here. I, I have, I have self-esteem issues even today. And you know what, as, as an 18 to 30 year old, which is your demographic, that's the, the hardest struggles I went through is to maintain a life and, and have kids and have relationships and have jobs and go to college and do all the things that I did with absolutely no self-esteem, no desire to, uh, to step out of the box that I was in. And the life that I lived was the life that I see a lot of people around me living today. They, they don't try. They don't want to try. They're scared to try. And every time they step out of the box, it looks like somebody's knocking them back down. Hmm. And I'm sure that a lot of people could relate to that, even myself, because one thing I'll say about my upbringing is that, you know, I grew up with my biological dad and mom. Uh, however, I can definitely relate to the same thing you're saying about not feeling good enough 
And right. that definitely did make it to the point to where I kind of started to, uh, I guess, to atrophy in, in like some some areas, if that's the right word, I think. Yeah, but, that's, um, a good word. that's a good description. Yeah, like just not wanting to be open and, you know, have my chest out and be the person that I was, you know, out of fear of being criticized, kind of trying to make yourself as, as small as possible so people don't notice you and they'll, they'll leave you alone. That's definitely yeah. something that that I would say was something that I struggled with. And it got better, like with age going to high school, but at least the mental toll of it still kind of stayed the same. What you were talking about, where I didn't really want to be that person that had a lot of attention on me and never did feel like the stuff I was doing was adequate or good enough. You could even say it still affects me to this day, you know, where I'll be listening to some of the stuff that I say on the podcast when I'm listening to it back, like getting ready to do my editing and, and post for the yeah. week. And I'll think, man, this sounds like so dumb. Like, why did I say that? <laughs> or or um, why did I use so many filler words saying, you know, and, and all these other things? And right. so it's still something that I think affects me to this day. But I'll say that I definitely have a, a healthier relationship with myself. But it's, it's definitely a process. And I'm sure that you can see as well that I guess part of that journey of life is fixing that trauma that you probably got from your parents. Right, right. You know, all I ever wanted when I was a child was somebody to be proud of me and and somebody to be happy with what I was. And but as a child, you know, you don't think like that. Um, I think it's Corinthians says, uh, as a child, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I acted as a child. I did. But when I became a man, I, I I did away with childish things. Well, the thing is, when you grow up in that type of situation that you grew up in, that I grew up in, and all you want is for somebody to be proud of you. You don't know how to put away those childish things. You have no idea when some, and you know, let's not blame our parents. Let's unpack that just a little bit. I don't blame my stepdad. I don't blame my mom because she was 24 when she had me. And my mm. dad was 20. I think my dad was 22. So we're talking about children raising children here. I didn't have. I didn't come with a manual attached to my toe. There was no, hey, this is how to raise this kid. So when you go back and you look at, at your parents' lives, okay, which is very important to do in order to do escape the thing that you and I are talking about here, you have to go back and look at your parents' lives. Now, my stepdad was raised in a very uh, detached household where no one told him he loved him. No one said they was proud of him. No matter how hard he tried, there was still, he never got any validation. So he carried that with him. So he gets this stepchild that he really wanted to marry my mom. But, I, you know, stepchildren sometimes are just secondary packages that you have to put up with. And that's what I felt like, that he was just putting up with me so he could be with my mom. So when you look at all that and, and you say, okay, this guy came from a, a really bad place. He had no skills as a father. He had no skills as a parent. He had, the only thing he wanted was to be, I guess, be validated. So, you know, he got married. He had the job. He did everything. He mistreated me terribly sometimes. But you know what, dude? I don't ever hold him accountable for that anymore. I was mad about that for years of my life. I wasted years of my life looking at another human being who had no idea what he was doing, just like I have no idea what I'm doing. So if I take all my suffering and all those things that made me who I am, 
then I can say, okay, the way he treated me was not how I treat my children, and I never have. So you can learn lessons from that childhood, from that suffering, even when it's horrible, even when, even if your parents beat you and starved you and all those things that, that we hear about is, from podcasters and from people writing books about their horrible childhoods, you can learn from that. You can be a better person from that. You don't have to go into uh, a shutdown mode every time that situation arises in your life. You can rise above it if you if you just look at it logically. You know, this is actually the first time that I thought about it that way because when I look at like the shortcomings of my parents and the way that it affected me, affected me growing up in life. Yeah. Always looked at it from the perspective of, Oh, if they had done better, then I wouldn't be like this, or I wouldn't have had this experience or I wouldn't have felt this certain way. But right. just hearing you say that, cause I've, I've heard someone make that point before, but it's something about you just like saying it again, that's really starting to make me think. And it's that neither of my parents probably chose to be I guess, to lack in, in different areas, like, like where they were. And it kind of just goes back to the way that they were raised too. And really even thinking about some of the issues that, um, that I faced with, with both of them, I guess a lot of it makes sense, you know, looking at their parents and knowing like what the dynamic was between them and their mom and dad as to why right. they were probably like that whenever they were parents. And so I guess one blessing that comes from, you know, us doing this type of content and being this, in this type of field is that unlike our parents who probably just weren't necessarily aware of some of these things and like how it could affect their kids, because I'm sure that they didn't know that these are issues for them, but maliciously say, you know, I, I still want to give my kid problems growing up in life. Right. The, the advantage that we have is that we're in, a, we put ourselves in a position to have that awareness and to have that uh, support system and the knowledge to be able to maybe save the people around us from, uh, from some of this trauma. And one question I wanted to ask you is, would you say that that mindset kind of set in for you to be able to empathize once you became a parent or was it before, or was it after, or. It was much, it, it was much later. Um, come on, because like you said, um, when I was in my, like I said, when I was in my twenties, I had, I had my children. The only thing I had at that time, from this mindset was I'm not going to treat my kids like I was treated. Okay. So I guess I had in my twenties, I had that epiphany of um, learning from my past. And that that's, that's the one thing we have to do. I found it interesting how you said you'd heard it before, but then someone else spins it a different way. And I think that's why I do podcasting and it looks like it's why you do it is because life is like this puzzle that we're putting together constantly. And if you stop trying to put it together, that's when you fail. So you heard in the, in the past, like uh, your parents did the best that they could. And you kind of, you kind of like, well, whatever, yeah, like, I'm whatever. still angry yeah. about it. <laughs> I'm still angry about it. You hear it again in a different way. You hear it again in a different way. And then finally someone like me comes along and they, they, they articulate it like you needed to hear it. And you go, oh, and you get an epiphany. And that's what that's what my life is. That's what I have searched for constantly. And I'll, I'll get to the reason why in a, in a moment. But I, I've searched for constantly and unconsciously. And then in my mid-30s, I had a horrible thing happen to me. 
and it turned that on consciously it became i became to live in the moment and then you start to search out and try to put these pieces together and try to have these epiphanies about life and how to how to be a better person and how to be a better parent and how to be a better podcaster and how to be a, a good human being and so what happened to me was at 30 at 33 i started a business in west virginia with um, my second wife and she had a little boy before she came into my life so here i was a stepfather <laughs> and and repeating that cycle of in my life and and i'm not proud of it and i, I was i didn't mistreat him but i treated him as a second class child for a really long time so what happened was I, I got in the relationship. I became my stepfather again, not in the violent way that he was, but still in the same dismissive way of like, I'm with your mom. I have to put up with this. And, you know, I, I loved the little guy. I really did. I loved Jacob to death. And I was trying to put that life together. So I wasn't like, I wasn't repeating the past. So at 35, after starting a business, my business was doing pretty well we decided we're going to move to california from west virginia so we move out here in june of 1999 and we moved to bakersfield i just got i just started to get a job with halliburton and my life was starting to come together everything was doing well my wife was getting a job and so we go to the zoo on september 6 1999 so we'd been here about four four or five months and just as life starts to gel for me at age 35, a boy steals an Audi and he loses control of it on, on one of these country roads or these desert roads out here and slams into me at 125 miles an hour. So he hits me in the side and uh, I break 34 bones. My wife's messed up. My, my oldest son is in the back seat. His face is torn off. And my seven-year-old stepson is dead. So here I am, 2,000 miles away from home, have no job now, have no money, have no future, and my life is completely torn apart. And here I am flat on my back with all these broken bones. So you talk about anger. I'm angry about my childhood. I'm angry about being in the military. I'm angry at my first wife. I'm angry at my stepfather. I'm angry at the guy that hit me. And I, I go into this period of time in my life when there was nothing but just anger and fear for my future. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how I was going to get by. And then it was a cycle of lawyers and courtrooms and grief and there's all these things happening to me and so in 2003 after all that has happened to me i'm getting divorced again for the second time i've lost a child i'm crippled i, I what used to be a an athletic body is now i got a foot twisted around backwards i got 11 teeth knocked out of my head fused neck fused feet all these things that are happening to me and i'm sitting in this classroom and I have to take I go back to college and I'm sitting in this classroom I'm a psychology major I have to take this philosophy class and along comes this man along comes his professor Dr. Dr. Paul Newberry and the first thing he says to me in this class the first thing he says to the class is excuse my language 
everything's fucked up until it's not. Well, Kamani, right there, that was a turning point in my life. When you're searching for those epiphanies in life, that was it for me. I thought, yeah, everything's messed up until it's not. And then conversely, everything's not messed up until it is. So you come to this point in your life where you're like, okay, I'm going to take stock of everything that's happened to me. And at that point right there was the beginning of digging out of that mental hole that I'd been in for 35 years that started with my parents was compounded by school and drugs and alcohol and women and partying. And then I joined the Marine Corps when I shouldn't have. I got married when I shouldn't have. I All these things that I was doing because I thought it would fix the problem that was going on in my head. Well, listen, guys, everybody that's listening today, the problems that you have in your head are completely solvable. They really are. And all it takes, Kamani, is that one thing that you were talking about and I was talking about that epiphany that you have to get that becomes your why and not everybody's why is the same but mine became I have to fix myself nobody is coming to save me everything's messed up right now and it's going to get better because when you think about your life you go through hard times and good times and hard times and good times and it's this wave and you have to learn from both of them. It seems like when the hard times come, we don't want to learn because we don't want to listen because we're closed up and we're angry and we're negative. And when the good times come, we don't want to listen because everything's fine. Everything's great. There's nothing to learn from here. You've got to come to the conclusion that everything's messed up until it's not and everything's fine until it's messed up. And you can learn from both sides of the equation. And something else that I'm grabbing from what you said that also goes with um, that catalyst, what you talked about, that epiphany, that turning point is taking accountability for how your life goes. Because one thing about it, at least that I noticed whenever I was in that mode of thinking that everything was wrong and like negative, is that I was always looking at things that I couldn't control or exactly. looking at things that I could control and then somehow, you know, saying that it was the fault of other people or just of, of my environment. But one thing I'll say is that once I, I guess, had that epiphany that I could change my life and that it was my actions alone that could get me the results that I wanted. And all these other people and all these other factors didn't have as much control over my happiness as I thought they did. That was when really when a big change happened too. So not only just having that like moment of knowing that, your life can change, but also knowing that you can be the one to spark it with your daily actions and that it's actually possible for you alone to be able to craft that life that you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at that point, when he said that I went from that classroom to my advisor and changed my uh, major from <laughs> psychology to philosophy. And I stayed there for three years studying philosophy at Cal State. And the thing is, exactly what you said. I ran into this uh, philosopher named Epictetus, who was a Stoic, and everybody looks at Stoicism as like, you can't, if you want to be a Stoic, you can't care. That's not what Stoicism is about. That's not what Epictetus was saying. He's saying the exact same thing you said. Stop attaching your thing yourself to things you can't control. Stop attaching yourself to people you can't control and things. It's not like you don't care but you only care about the things in your 
in the realm of your control, like your diet, your exercise, your mindset, and and all these things. The funny thing is, we growing up, we thought we weren't good enough. We weren't fast enough. We, weren't, we couldn't jump high enough. Our grades weren't good enough. We're not as respectful as we should be and all these things. And you get to this point where you're like, I can't do anything. But there is a beautiful thing about this. When you get the epiphany that you need, you can build something. And that's a human being. You can build a human being. And that's that's the most amazing thing I've ever realized in my life. I can reinvent myself at any time, at any place. I can be watching TV and be in the middle of a a movie and go, you know what? I don't want to watch this movie anymore because it's not edifying to me. I don't want to listen to this song. I don't want to be in these people. I don't want to be in this circle of friends anymore. You can do it at any time. You can say, just like Henry Ford said, you can reinvent yourself at any time. And it's all on you. It's all on me to change me. Um, it's all about my anger and the way I feel and my emotions. And I can be completely in control of that. And no matter how bad your life has been, no matter how many, and you know, I say this respectfully to every person that's ever lost a child. Listen, man, the grief is bad. That's the worst possible thing that can happen to you is to bury your children, but it doesn't have to bury you. You don't have to be, you your childhood doesn't have to follow you throughout your life. You can have that epiphany where, like you said, my mom and dad did the best they could. It wasn't very good. So what? Here I am. They gave me enough tools. They gave me enough life. And I have the opportunity right now to stop attaching myself to those things that are gone. They're in the past. Instead of saying, my past screwed me up. I have no future. Right now is messed up. What am I going to do? Well, what you're going to do, folks, what you're going to do, guys, is change your mind and change your attitude and your mindset. All the suffering that you've been through, all the pain that you've been through, that's who made you what you are. And that's a beautiful thing right there. And so I like some of those points that you brought up. Of course, you know, accepting that pain and then turning it into something positive. That's, of course, something important. And I've talked about it that on the show a few times because that you could say it is really the motivation behind me even doing the podcast, taking that pain and trying to turn into something positive, but something else you mentioned about reinventing yourself. I think that should be key for a lot of people because one thing I've noticed, and I even had this mindset myself before is that it seems as though people think whatever way they are in the current, that's the way that they are going to be for the rest of their life. And right. so let's say if you're not good at talking to people, if you're not um, fit, I mean, or fitness that I guess that's a little bit different, but mentally anyway, if you're not good with people or if you're not confident or something like that, a lot of people will think, oh, it's just not in the cards for me to be able to have success in these areas where those skills are required. A lot of people don't take that mindset of, hey, I can actually craft myself and build these skills and right. be, you're pretty much, you know, I pretty much accept the fact that people are malleable. Uh, They don't look at it that way. And so I like that you said that. And a lot of people will think that it's them being like fake or inauthentic by, uh, by doing that. But the thing is, as long as you're making a conscious decision to be that type of person and you're making sure to align your, your values and your actions with that, I would say that it still is authentic because 
you really just made a shift in what your priorities are and who you want to be. And as long as what you do aligns with that, I think that's as authentic as you can be. There you go. I completely agree with you. Um, I do have one caveat there. I have tried on since my accident, I have tried on, you know, let me talk about that for a second. There's this turning points in life. And that was a catalyst for change for me. It wasn't a catalyst for me to quit. It, it, for for years, all I did was build up my strength, get myself strong enough to get my neck fused and then lay and heal up from that. So I had a lot of time to think. I had a lot of time to read. And I, I tried to read myself out of that anger. And you said fitness is a different thing. It's separate from, but listen, man, when you say, when I tell you to stop attaching yourselves to those things you can't control and that that's bad boss, bad, you know, whatever's going on in your life that you can't control. You can control your fitness, man. You can control your diet. And this, it's these little things that I have noticed that since I started my fitness journey seven years ago, I was about 40 pounds overweight. Uh, it, it just exacerbates the problems that you have mm. when you're drinking too much, you're smoking pot, you're eating the wrong things, you're not exercising, you're watching TV, you're, you're just wasting your life and you say, well, I don't have time to work on myself. I'm too busy with work. I'm too busy with my relationship. Think about all the time you're wasting and that time you do have control when you could get up and take a walk or take a bike ride. And the cool thing that happened to me, man, the coolest thing in the world, I went from that day after Thanksgiving would have been 2015 now. So I spent 15 years after that accident being angry at the guy that hit me, being pissed off at God, being mad at everybody. And, and like me, me, me. And that's what my life was. Me, me, me. I'm hurt. I'm sick. I'm sore. I lost a child. I had a bad childhood. Wah, wah, wah. And that's all I did. And I'm not making fun of you if you do that. I'm making fun of myself here. Mm -hmm. So what happened was I said, okay, I have got to break out of this because I'm not happy. <laughs> and everybody has that. Well, what's your why? Well, my why is me, Kamani. Okay. My why is me. And everybody's why is different. Maybe you're doing it for your wife. Maybe you're doing it for your child. Maybe you're doing it for your parents. But let that why change in your life. It's, it's this fluid thing, the why you do what you do. So stop attaching yourself to those things. And I started attaching myself to, okay, I'm going to stop eating sugar. Because I was drinking two liters of Dr. Pepper a day and eating bags and bags of candy while watching TV. And I felt really terrible. You can imagine how I felt being hurt and sick and angry and tired and overweight and sick to my stomach all the time. And just the all around person you didn't really want to be around. I was sarcastic and I had a really dark sense of humor. So that was how I kept people like you and I away from me. <laughs> right. I didn't want to listen to Tony Robbins. I don't want to listen to motivational speakers because all those people don't have what I need. What I need is to be in this dark space, in this dark atmosphere with this sarcasm and 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 pain that I that I'm because that's what I am at this point. 
So I said, I'm going to stop eating sugar. I didn't know where that would lead. And it took me a year to stop doing that because it's a, it's an addiction. Sugar's an addiction. So I stopped that. And then I started biking to work. And then I started playing around with my diet and I'm going to, I'm not going to eat so much meat anymore. I'm going to be a vegetarian. And then I became a pescatarian or I, I went from meat eater to pescatarian to vegetarian to vegan. And, and all this seven year journey that I've been on has made me the person that I am. And I noticed that everything that I did get control of made me happier, made me lighter, made me want to say, Hey, maybe that, maybe that, motivational speaker has does have something to say to me maybe everybody who's trying to tell me to lighten up a little bit maybe they do have something because you've got to come to these realizations in your life and my favorite things in the world Kamani are epiphanies and I know I use that word a lot but there's my favorite thing in the world because you can turn your anger off I was so angry for losing my child and one day I was telling a story to a, a friend of mine and their little daughter, she was about five, six years old. She looked at me and she said, I know how you feel. I lost my, I lost my dog. And all up until that time, everybody had said, I lost my mom. I lost my dad. I lost, you know, I was always like, you don't have any clue what the hell I'm talking about. I lost a child here. And, and it's this whole other realm of, of uh, pain and suffering and grief. But I got an epiphany when that little girl told me she lost her dog. Up until that point in her life, that's the worst thing that had happened to her. You understand what I mean? Yeah, so, so it was all relative. Here, that's I guess that's what every Yeah, grief is relative. Suffering is relative. Your childhood is relative. Somebody else has had it worse. Somebody else had it better. So what? So what? It's your experience and that was hers. And from that point on, I stopped being mad at everyone because they didn't understand me because I thought we do understand each other. It's just through different levels that her losing her dog was the worst thing that happened to her. Me losing my child, worst thing that happened to me. But you know what? Same. It's the same. We go through the same, same grief, same loss, same suffering, same pain. And so if you get this epiphany that we are all connected, we are all the same, we all suffer alike, then you can begin to say, okay, I can stop attaching myself to my anger and I can reach out to other people and I can use what happened to me to help them. And the problem I have with my story, the problem, I listened to some of your uh, stories or some of your podcasts up to this point, the worst things in the world have happened to me. And some people can't relate and I can relate to them. So I want to tell you the worst things in the world that happen to you, everybody, they're important. They're just as important as losing your parents in a car accident or losing your kid or whatever your pain is. That's your pain. Learn from it. Don't run from it. Don't say it's not as bad as his. So I must be I must be weak. That's not the point at all here. Our suffering is what made us who we are. And in a very Eastern philosophy, Eastern religion way of looking at things, you've got to say, my pain is my pain. I'm learning from it. And it's made me a better person. So I have two things. So I know the first thing that you had touched on before we got into uh, like the pain and it being relative was like the fitness stuff. And yeah, just to clarify, I agree that like, you can 
adjust your diet and different things like that. More so what I was getting at is that uh, whenever people look at what changes they can make in their life, of course, they can see like the physical where they can change their diet or like their fitness. But a lot of them don't look at like the ways they can change themselves, like with like their skills and, and their personality and that type of thing. And so I agree with what you're saying about the, the fitness portion of changing your diet. And to touch on what you just said about pain being relative, I'm glad that you made that point because I'm sure that a lot of people might listen to the content, maybe some of the stuff that I've said, like with my story or other people that have come on the show and they may think, oh, wow, look at how these guys are, you know, going through all this that happened in their lives. And look at me, you know, my dog just died and, you know, and they'll probably feel bad about that. But the thing is, I feel like it's kind of like a scale in a way, like, of course, someone that's had like a, a rougher life, you probably become more calloused and, you know, it leads to something more significant, causing you more pain, but relative to that person, of course, even if they haven't had that much stuff happen in their life, the few bad things they did, how minor they may seem to us, uh, the way it resonates with them is on that same magnitude as some of these terrible things for us, just based on their life. So like you said, the pain is just the same. And I think that it's really disrespectful when someone like takes their pain or whatever it is they're going through. And then they try and use that to like dismiss someone else's experience to try and say, oh, you have no excuse to feel this way. Look at what, look at what I went through. Like there is this one example I can give where this guy was talking about uh, this funk he was in, like he was in a depression. Uh, Things just weren't going well for him. He wasn't liking the way that his, his life was, wasn't feeling his best. And I remember one guy commented to him and said, "Uh, where do you live? Live in the U.S. He said, you have running water, you have food to eat, you you have like all you have health insurance, all these other things. What is there for you to be depressed about? And something about it just didn't sit right with me because, for one, you could say depression is like a, a chemical imbalance or something in your brain. So I guess despite having running water or getting your water from a well, if you have it, you have it. But the thing is, it kind of just made me think this just it's kind of like a, a black and white way to look at life. Right. And it gets to the point to where people kind of throw out what we were just talking about, you know, the, the relativity of your pain. Of course, if running water and all that is all, you know, that's your baseline, just like that person that gets their water from a well. What else do they know? Therefore, how could that really even be something that bothers them? Of course, things could get better than how they are now. You could you could be born a, a prince or a king or something like that. And that's your baseline and still be depressed. And so that was whenever you brought up that point, uh, I appreciate you doing that because I would hope that people can listen to that and see that they don't need to always make it like a competition or a comparison. If you're in pain, if something's bothering you, you're well within your right to be bothered by that. You don't have to look at someone else's situation and say, oh, I, I don't deserve to be upset about this. Or if anything, if you want to look at someone else's, if you want it to, if you want to use that example to make you feel grateful, definitely, because listening to like the story, like you said, listening to other people's stories that come on the show, it's definitely kind of put things into perspective for me and helped me to be grateful that I didn't experience something like that, because you know, just with it being tough enough to face some of the challenges I have had, it made me think, I don't know what I would possibly do if something like that happened. And right. you know, I'm blessed that I guess God didn't put me in a spot to where that was a challenge that to face before I was ready. But that was right. just something I wanted to to add to what you said. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Um, I, I came to this realization that happiness comes from me. And, I, you know, it, you hear that all your life and you get 
you get frustrated and you hear people get frustrated with it. They're like, happiness comes from me. What does that mean? You know, it's like, well, I try to explain it like, like you said, there's a baseline of everything and there's things that we can withstand and things that we get used to. You can be happy in prison. You can be a happy homeless person. I've run into plenty of them. They're happy. They're not happy with their situation, but there's a contentment in their life to where like, okay, this is bad, but I'm not going to let it make me want to kill myself. I'm not going to let it, you know, let it get me down. And everybody gets disappointed and everybody gets these negative emotions and that's fine. There has to be an inner well-being that you have to find, man, in order to get anywhere in your life in a positive way, in a successful way. You know, like Matthew McConaughey is successful and everybody knows him. But you know what? Come on, you're successful, too, because a lot of people know you and I'm successful because I'm happy. And I think that's what success is. It's that happiness. And the funny thing is, the way I got to my happiness is I got mad, but not at everybody else. I turned all that anger that was going out towards my parents and towards the guy that hit me onto myself. And I said, what am I doing? What am I doing here? I'm depressed. I'm unhappy. I'm drinking to get rid of it. And what I happened, what I happened to do is I stepped out of the shower one day, right before I stopped sugar. And the reason I stopped, started trying is I stepped out of the shower the day after Thanksgiving. And you know what we do on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so I stepped out of the shower. I'm this fat, nasty, pale, gray-faced, bags under my eyes, I look like hell, I feel like hell, and I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror, and I woke up that day. I burst into tears because of what I had done to myself and, and blamed everybody else. It was my stepfather, it was my dad, it, it was my mom, it was, it was a school, it was this, it was that, it was my circumstances, and it's everybody else's fault that I'm not happy. And I burst into tears that day, and I thought, I have to do something. So listen, the thing that I really want to reiterate here is do something, okay? If it's trying to stop sugar or take a walk or read a book or sing a song or learn an instrument, learn how to play the guitar, do something, but stop, for God's sake, stop sitting there and marinating and cooking in your unhappiness because you will get nowhere until you get the epiphany that it is you that are responsible for your happiness and and you know for all the people out there that are depressed and I was there man I was there okay I get it and what I what I don't understand about myself and what I'm searching for and why I, I want to talk to you and I want to talk to others because I'm constantly trying to learn how did I do this how did I do this and there's all kinds of little tricks and tweaks and thoughts and realizations and epiphanies and conversations. But the thing is, I think the most crucial element is you have to say, what's wrong with me? I have to do something about this. I have to do something about this. So you begin the journey. And like any journey, some you, you have this, I'm going to New York. Well, 
look at this way. Instead of going from LA to New York, go from unhappiness to happiness and find that path and find it. And it's there because obviously it's there. And yeah, there are some chemical imbalances out there, but a lot of unhappiness is self-caused. A lot of unhappiness is self-caused. So what you have to do is you have to get angry at yourself, reinvent yourself and, and don't look at it. Like earlier, you said that you feel like an, you have that imposter syndrome because I'm going to go to this party or I'm going to go do this thing that I don't usually do. And I feel like such a fraud. Well, listen, you're trying things on. Maybe, maybe you might be a podcaster. Try it on. I remember my, my first podcast was the same as probably yours where I was like, what the hell am I doing here? And why did I say that? Right. <laughs> but as time goes on, my podcast has gotten better. I've learned to come out of my shell. I've learned to talk about my, my pain. I've learned to talk about my philosophy and how I did this. And today I went from being that guy that slept until 745 and then rushed to work and not have a shower and not be ready for my day to I've gone to a guy that gets up at 430 works out two two or three times before he goes to work. I have time for meditation. I went to LA and transformed myself by learning meditation. I wrote a book about meditation. All these things are pieces of the puzzle. And that's what I'm trying to tell you today, guys. Your why is being pieced together. It's not something you're going to say, oh, I'm going to go from this to that. And this is why. No, some days your why is different. Some days you don't want to do what you're doing, but you do it anyway. So my why is to be the best person I can be because I am curious as to how much a human being can maximize themselves without any outside help. Just me. Just me. What can I do? How can I? If I tweak my diet, I feel better. If I sleep more, I feel better. If I work out, I feel better. And I think, well, should I work out a little more? Will I feel better? Should I tweak my diet even more? How about my attitude towards people? If I start smiling at people, people smile back. It's all these things. It's these tricks that suddenly someday, if you try, if you put your head down and say, no matter what, I'm going to find my way through this. One day, one day you're going to do exactly what I did about, well, about a year ago, I thought, Oh, hell, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy. And I got rid of all that baggage. And it's not like I realized I was doing it, but it was the building of, it's like building a house. You start with the foundation of everything's messed up till it's not. And then you start adding philosophy. You start adding exercise. You start adding diet. And as you get further and further up the journey of into your life, <clears throat> excuse me. You realize one day, oh, I'm not that person I used to be. And I, I don't I no longer feel fake when I smile at people and I no longer feel fake when I'm working out. So listen, the best thing you can do is to get angry with yourself and say, and turn all that anger around and say, it's me. It's me. No one's coming to rescue me. No one's coming to save me. I have to do this myself. And there are other people that can get involved in that. Your therapist, your doctor, your, uh, you can talk to your friends. You find people to surround yourself with that aren't doing the things anymore that you don't want to do. 
Find the person that eats right. Find the guy that exercises. Find the girl that runs. Find the people and surround yourself with these people and say, okay, I can learn from this. I can be a better person. And then someday somebody's going to turn to you and say, hey, man, how'd you do it? And you will realize right there. I'm the guy that people want to be like now. And that is such a reward. And I'll, when that happened to me, I went through a period of time where my stepdad was like, no, you're not. Because <laughs> your stepdad lives in your head, you know, your parents live in your head and they still tell you what to do and they still tell you things negatively. So my stepdad said, no, you're just faking it. I'm not anymore, Kamani. I'm as I'm pretty solid. And now I've started another business. I feel good about my business. I feel good about the book I wrote. I feel good about my podcast. I feel good about my life. And even though I still have downtimes, just like everybody else, you get disappointed, you get angry, you have negative emotions. Those things are easily dealt with now. Or I can be, I, here's a little one, one trick I'll tell you that I have. I allow myself to be angry for two minutes because everybody gets angry. Everybody gets disappointed. Everybody gets frustrated. Allow yourself to be angry for two minutes. Time it even. Say, okay, I'm going to be angry for two minutes. And at the end of two minutes, say, okay, now what am I going to do about it? So that's how I live my life. What am I going to do to make my life better? How am I going to be a better person tomorrow? The 1% rule, the 10% rule, the however you want to spin it. Read as many books as you can, listen to the podcast, listen to the people around you that are telling you and take little pieces of the information and build your own house. Not everything Tony Robbins says, I believe. Not everything David Goggins says, I believe. But they have pieces of that, their philosophy that I can say, okay, I do believe that. I do think that way. And if I use that, maybe I'll be a better person. Let's try that out. So your why which I know everybody's looking for is such a fluid thing. Come on. Your why is such a fluid thing because it constantly changes. If you're learning about how to be a better person, your why changes constantly. Thank you for that. I, res I respect that. And uh, for those listeners that want to find more information about you, please tell them about your podcast and tell them about your book. Oh, okay. Um, my podcast is uh, the thoroughly wrong project. You could just, <laughs> because <laughs> that came, I have a, a, a partner in my podcast who's 26 years old. He's exactly one half my age. And the beauty of our podcast is we talk about politics and philosophy and modern events and things that are going on in, in the world. But he has, he comes at it from a view of a 26 year old and I come at it from a view of a 50, 56 year old or 52 year old. So what happens is um, he's 28, I'm 56. What happens is we constantly teach each other things. I get to learn about how he thinks as a, as a, a 28 year old, and he gets to look into the future a little bit and say, okay, that's the way to be. And I think, okay, that's the way to be. So we get to bounce, bounce it off each other. And um, finding the silence is my book. You can google it's, it's on smash words if i know it's there i usually give it away and if uh if you want to put my i'll give you my email address after you can put it in the notes at the bottom 
of your podcast. If you have, but if anybody wants my book, I, I'll give it to you. I don't, I don't, I didn't write it to sell. I wrote it to help people. Uh, I went through a lot of anxiety. Uh, I reached a point where after my accident and after all the everything and 15 years of trying to figure it out, I was sitting in a chair one day and I couldn't breathe. And I thought, what the hell is the matter with me? You know? And so I went on that journey and I found out it was my anxiety and I didn't want to go on my anxiety meds and, and I, I don't like medication to fix things. I realize that some people out there are organically damaged and that's great. And if you need that, I felt like I wasn't. I felt like my problems were my problems. So I went to LA. I studied uh, meditation down there. And I came back and I, I I meditated their way for a while. And then I realized I wrote a book about how meditation is being sold and it shouldn't be. It should be given away. And that's why I wrote the book. And it's called Finding the Silence. And it's about meditating on the silence instead of your thoughts. Because your thoughts get away from you. And, and everybody has this weird thing about meditation. It's like, you have to stop thinking. Yeah, that's not, that's not even possible. So you distract, I distract myself with the silence and right behind everything that's going on. Come on, there's that silence right there. It was. So we got to find that and we find solace in that. So I have, the Thoroughly Wrong Project, which just Google, it's um, me and Lalo. We have a great time on it. We're, we uh, use a little bit more adult language, so <laughs> be careful there. <laughs> but I am an ex-Marine, okay? So give me a break. That's, right? that's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Finding the Silence is my book. If you want it, uh, you can get it through Kamani will give you my email address. And if you want to listen to my podcast, we're on uh, uh, Pandora and Spotify. We're Apple. We're all over the place. All right. Sounds good. Well, that pretty much wraps everything up. And so once again, Bobby, I appreciate you coming on to the show and sharing your story. I think that you touched on a lot of valuable topics. And I think that the guys will be able to take a lot from this interview. And so once again, I want to say that I appreciate you. Thank you, brother. I'm grateful to you also. Learn how we need to learn how to be more grateful. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, I'll make sure to put all your stuff in the uh, description. And so, yeah, thanks again. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. You too, brother. Have a good one. All right. Same. Take care.